The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast. If you have experienced narcissistic abuse, you are in the right place. Our mission is to help you understand the abuse you have experienced, support you through your healing journey, and to help you develop healthy relationships. I am your host, Juliana Aiken, and in today's episode, I'm interviewing Ellen Biros. She's a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in the assessment and treatment of individuals with personality disorders, substance abuse issues, and emotional regulation problems. Ellen has spent over 15 years helping clients identify and recover from emotional abuse and manipulation. She's the author of Recovering from Narcissistic Mothers, a Daughter's Workbook. In this episode, Ellen offers five practical strategies to help you gradually overcome the anger toward the narcissist, flying monkeys, or enablers. Let's get started. So just to piggyback off of what we had talked about in the first one, all of those strategies that we used in the first uh, part of the anger uh, podcast can be applied, excuse me, for this as well. But I'm not going to go over those again. I mean, you can listen to the other podcasts for that. But um, all of those things, anything that I talk about, you can utilize with anything uh, in with regard to recovery from narcissistic abuse. So they're not the things I talk about aren't necessarily specific to only one single thing. Um, I want to be able to give people ideas and tools to use with any sorts of emotions and feelings and issues that they have when they're dealing with recovery. So that being said, uh, again, <clears throat> the anger towards the narcissistic person is obviously very common uh, and they're flying monkeys and enablers and all that kind of thing. Um, but I wanted to just kind of touch on, you know, why it, why that happens. I mean, we get angry with the person that's done injustice to us uh, because it feels um, like a betrayal. It feels like you've, you know, put so much into this relationship and you've gotten nothing out of it. Um, the anger can, uh, you know, be associated with why did I, you know, let this happen to me? All those kind of things. Um, but when we're dealing with anger towards the person who's done the wrong to us, one of the number one things, and this will be the first uh, thing to talk about is, uh, and this is going to sound weird, but you want to embrace the fact that you have anger. Okay. Anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's actually a uh, part of a warning system that we all have um, that tells us that we're in a situation that is dangerous. So we want to embrace that. You know, the fact that you are angry at this person is a warning sign that this is not going, this shouldn't be happening to you. You shouldn't have anger in a relationship that's a functional relationship. So if somebody's feeling anger towards a narcissistic person, consider it a warning sign. What it allows you to do is take actionable steps to get out of the relationship, to, um, develop boundaries to use some of the other skills that we've talked about in different podcasts. But, um, you know, I've heard from lots of clients over the years in various situations about the fact that they don't want to feel angry and anger in and of itself, like I said, is not a bad thing. It's a warning sign. So we want to pay attention to it, embrace it, 
so that we can take some actionable steps to make a decision about what we want to do. And that doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to have to leave the narcissist, although that may be the choice for some people, but it may be a warning system that, okay, if I'm feeling this much anger towards this person or their family members or, you know, uh, friends of yours or whatever, then that's a cue for me to stop allowing this person to do the things that they're doing to me. Okay. Whether that is, you're not going to engage in some of the crazy making discussions that they have, or you decide you're going to put a boundary up and tell the person I'm walking out of here. If you start, you know, accusing me of things or whatever it might be. Um, we want to pay attention to that actually as something that isn't necessarily harmful. It's a warning system. So that's the first step with mm. regards to, you know, figuring out what you're going to do about your anger towards the narcissist. Now that having said that <clears throat> there's a difference between feeling anger and then holding on to resentment. When I talk about it, you know, identifying the anger, I'm not talking about you should hold on to it or you, it should develop into resentment or anything like that. I'm just talking about like when you start feeling those anger feelings, use that as a, as a sign that I have to take some actionable steps. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, so if this is the first strategy, uh, so it was the embrace the fact that you have anger, mm, this will help us to overcome the anger that we have towards uh, the narcissist or blind monkeys or enablers. Um, so, so now that we know that, okay, embrace the fact that I have anger, but how do I in practice actually embrace my anger? So what you do is you identify it. You know, one, one of the things that um, happens with people that are in narcissistic relationships is they very rarely are paying attention to sort of what they're feeling, because all of the focus is on how am I going to manage the narcissist and their behavior. So I'm focused on, I'm outer focused. I'm not focusing on how am I feeling? What is this um, mean for me in terms of safety or protection or any of those kind of things? So Embracing the anger means turning inward and looking at your own feelings and learning how to say, okay, well, how am I feeling when uh, I wake up in the morning and I know that the narcissist is downstairs drinking coffee and I'm going to go downstairs and sit with the person? You know, how do I feel about that? Am I angry about it? Am I scared? Am I concerned? Am I worried? Am I whatever? So embracing the anger means looking within and starting to identify how you feel versus focusing constantly on what's the narcissist feel like? How am I going to manage that behavior today? What am I going to say to this person? Um, because the nature of the narcissistic relationship is the focus is always on that person. It's never on ourselves. And so, you know, when we were talking about uh, the last anger podcast, some of those tools and skills that we talked about were about looking at ourselves and learning how to identify our feelings, um, uh, act if we need to, to protect ourselves or to provide some kind of boundary or whatever it is. So for embracing the anger just simply means looking at yourself and saying, okay, how am I feeling if I'm angry and I consistently wake up angry, let's say, or when I'm coming home from work and I know my narcissist is there, I'm I'm starting to get riled up in my head when I'm about to walk in the door. 
that's a warning sign for me to make some kind of change with myself or with the situation that I'm in. I need to either leave, I need to, you know, figure out how to do some other things like boundaries or protection strategies or relaxation exercises or whatever it is. So it's a cue for us to say, if I'm feeling like this consistently, because normally in healthy relationships or just, you know, going day to day, we don't, we don't have all this anger. Right. So if I'm if I, every single day, I'm like, John, I'm angry every time I have to think about going and spending time with this person, uh, that that's a sign for me to change something. Okay. Yeah. And so how would you kind of summarize why this number one strategy works when we are trying to overcome the anger towards the narcissist or flying monkeys or enablers? Why did you even include this? Well, because because these relationships are sort of like addiction, you know, they're, they're, we, we know that they're unhealthy for us. Um, we know logically that this is not a good place for us to be, or this is not the person I should be with, or uh, unfortunately, maybe like a parent or a sibling or something like that. Like, we know that being around them logically is not the best thing for us, but yet we continually go back over and over again. And similar to addiction, people that are in these situations very rarely are paying attention to how they feel about things. They're not able to identify their feelings about what's going on in, in their life or, or uh, circumstances. And so one of the most important things, and we talked about this in the first anger podcast, is learning how to identify how you feel. In order to be able to recover and move forward, we have to turn the attention away from the narcissistic person and onto ourselves to learn how to take care of ourselves. One of the reasons why that's so difficult is because in narcissistic relationships, doesn't matter what it is, if it's a partner, a mother, a sibling or whatever, the message from the narcissist is don't you dare do anything to help yourself. Because if you do, you're selfish and you're a terrible partner, you're a terrible daughter, you're a terrible son, you're whatever. And so we're, we're sort of trained in these relationships to not focus at all on our own well-being and focus only on what the narcissist wants us to do. So the key in recovery is to shift your attention away from whatever that thing is that's causing you problems, in this case, narcissist, and onto yourself, because you can only change you. You cannot change the narcissist. Mm. So the emotional piece of it, the turning it onto yourself and looking at yourself and learning how to identify what you need is one of the most critical things in recovery. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So when we are trying to overcome the anger towards the narcissist, flying monkeys, enablers, um, then the first strategy you now have shared is embrace the fact that you have anger. So what is the next? The next step is, <laughs> and this is, this is sort of therapeutic. I mean, it's, it's a clinical term um, and a clinical concept, but I'm going to try to make it, you know, something we can all practice. This is not, you know, you have, you don't have to go to a therapist to practice this, but it is a clinical term. Um, oh, sorry. That's number three. Number two is, it, this is sort of clinical too. Letting go of this identity that you are somehow the wronged one or the victim. Okay. So when we are harmed 
by somebody narcissistic, uh, we are automatically going to feel obviously like we've been wronged by this person. Normal, normal feeling to have. What we don't want to do is hold on to an identity of being a victim. Okay. Because that puts us in a different power position. Whenever we're in a situation where we visualize ourselves or identify ourselves as a victim, we are going to behave in a way that is not healthy. So let me expand a little bit. So staying in a victim role is actually a dysfunctional role. Okay. So um, the narcissist pulls you into this role. So there's something called a drama triangle that is a theory of dysfunctional role play that happens in lots of dysfunctional systems, but particularly in narcissistic uh, relationships. And a drama triangle is if you, if you and your listeners can think about it like a triangle, and on each uh, corner of the triangle are different dysfunctional roles that we get sucked into in this relationship with the narcissist. So victim is one of them, rescuer is the other, and persecutor is the third. So when we are stuck in that victim role, we are not in an empowered role. We want to move into an empowered role. So the way that we do that is by sort of visualizing whenever I'm interacting with my narcissistic person, um, do I play one of those roles? Do I play the victim role? Am I trying to rescue him? Am I trying to uh, persecute? Because sometimes you get into the persecutor role and this, you know, the narcissist plays the victim, you're the persecutor. They can use that against you and tell you you're terrible, blah, blah, blah. Um, so when we're in uh, dealing with the anger towards this narcissistic person, we want to identify with ourselves whether or not we're sitting in this victim role. The opposite of a victim role is a vulnerable role. And, and vulnerability is actually a good thing as long as you have protection with the vulnerability. And what that means is, I can be vulnerable, I can voice my concerns, I can stand up for myself, but I'm gonna do that with protection. So for example, with a narcissist, um, <clears throat> being vulnerable might feel like that's a risky kind of situation because if you're vulnerable, then he's gonna or she is going to attack you. But vulnerability actually means that we're gonna be able to identify what it is that we need and ask for that to be met from people that actually can do that for us. And recognizing that the narcissist is not the person that's going to do that is a, a very critical step in recovery. Okay. Because one of the things that happens with people um, who are in narcissistic relationships is <clears throat> they continually go back to the person who cannot meet their needs and ask them over and over and over again, can you meet my needs? Hey, can you, what if I do this? Will you meet my needs then? If I change my outfit, will you meet my needs? If I make you spaghetti, will you meet my needs? Um, and that's never going to happen, obviously, but we do that over and over again. So part of getting out of the victim role, and that's going to help with the anger is recognizing, okay, who am I going to, to ask for my needs to be met? I'm not going to go to the narcissist. I'm going to go to a trusted friend. I'm going to go to a therapist if you decide to do that. I'm going to go to my pastor or my neighbor or another family member who is, is trusting and go talk to them about what the needs are that you have. 
because what you'll find is that your needs are actually going to be met. And by virtue of that, meaning that you're starting to get some needs met, you're asking for them to be met, the anger towards the narcissist will dissipate. Because you're get because essentially what what's going on here in, in the relationship is you know and, and this is true for everybody we want to have our needs met from other people we can meet some of our own needs but we're asking other people in relationships to meet our needs like I want you to support me I want you to re uh, respect me hear me all of those kind of things and when we go to the narcissist and ask them over and over again to meet these needs and they don't do it we get angry. Right. <clears throat> so what you can do, because you can't change the narcissist, right, is you look at yourself and you say, OK, am I in this victim mode where I'm constantly going back to this person who's victimizing me? Or do I need to make a change and go ask people that are not going to victimize me for my needs to be met? And that sort of shift is going to help us, you know, one, get our needs met, but reduce the anger towards the narcissist because we're actually going to get our needs met. That's really what we're looking for. Mm, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense and uh, sounds very helpful. And I understand the importance of that shift because the underlying need is to get your needs met. Immediately, what came to my mind though was like, what if someone is like, but it, it's not the same because it I, it should be the narcissist because that's who who that's what the one who actually hurt me and that's the one that I'm for example, trying to have a romantic relationship or that they are my family member and the family relationship should be in X, Y, Z way. And then it's like, what if somebody says to you, well, well, Ellen, yeah, that sounds great, but like, I'm still angry because it's the narcissist who is not meeting my needs. And I really want that person to be that. So, yeah. Well, that's a very good question and a perfect segue into number three. Okay, which great. Is practicing radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is a term that is clinical. This is the clinical one I was talking about. Um, but it actually means that uh, you have to accept things the way they are. So in the in the example you just gave, the narcissist is not ever going to meet your needs, that it is what it is. And we have to learn how to accept that. Because when we hold on to this idea that reality is not reality, we are going to stay in that anger. Okay, so radical acceptance, it's, it's difficult. It's not the easiest thing, but it's one of the things that keeps people stuck in these uh, cycles of abuse is that we're not looking at the reality of our situation and accepting the reality for what it is. Okay, so there's a couple of things with... Um, radical acceptance. Um, when we reject reality, reject the fact that the person who we're in a relationship with or our narcissist or whatever is not really that, it doesn't change the reality. So if you're rejecting it in your head that this person should do this, but he doesn't do this or she doesn't do this, it doesn't change the fact that they're not going to be able to do it. We're just hoping that it will, right? So, but changing reality, changing our reality means, and moving forward means we have to accept reality first. The reality in a narcissistic relationship is that the narcissist is not going to do what you want him or her to do. It is what it is. 
There is nothing I can tell you. I, I've done this for 25 years. I cannot tell you anything that's going to help you change the narcissistic person because you cannot do it. If the narcissistic person is behaving the way they behave, they behave the way they behave, period. There's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. And so we have to accept that. And this is a hard one, I will say. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot with my clients and even other people in my personal life and myself, because, you know, obviously I practice this stuff too. Um, but accepting that things are what they are is a very difficult thing, especially when you might have gotten messages in the past from your narcissist or other people in your family that if you do certain things, reality will change. But that's a misconception. We Nothing you do is going to change reality for somebody else. It's only going to change for you. Okay. So it, it, the next thing I'm going to say is very, it's very, very important because it's the key to the anger piece with this. Pain cannot be avoided in life. We're all going to experience pain. We don't know when it's going to happen. You know, uh, you can do a lot of things to avoid some pain, but pain is going to happen in life. What can't, what can be avoided is suffering. And when you hold on to the anger towards someone else, you end up suffering. The other person does not suffer because you're holding on to anger. They couldn't care less. And especially with a narcissist, they don't care if you're angry at them. Because even if you're angry at them and you, you interact with them, they get the supply they want. They don't care if it's anger or if it's positive stuff. All they care about is supply. So when we're thinking about the anger, we have to think about it from the perspective of, yes, this is a painful situation. Being in a relationship with a narcissist is absolutely painful. But if I hold on to the, the idea that I'm going to be angry with this person for the rest of my life, I'm going to end up suffering. And you can control whether or not you suffer. Can't control that there's pain, but you can control whether they're suffering. Um, so that's a really critical piece with this radical acceptance, because if I accept that it is what it is, um, and I'm not working from this delusion that something I do is going to be able to change it, I'm just going to accept that this is the person that the, the, the person is, then I can move past the anger. I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about like, don't feel anger at all. I'm talking about accepting the fact that you have anger, that this is a bad situation, that you don't like it, that you know you have to make some changes, um, but you're not going to sit in the anger. And if I hold on to it, then somehow miraculously something will change and the person who's narcissistic will no longer be narcissistic or they're going to start treating me well or, or any of those things that everybody feels in these relationships. Um, but that is not helpful to us in terms of dealing with our anger. Um, so refusing to refusing to accept the reality, in other words, is only going to keep you stuck in the anger. It's or the unhappiness or the bitterness or the sadness or the shame or any of those kind of things. If we learn how to accept, we might be sad for a period of time, but what's on the other side of sadness is calm. And so we do have to go through those, those emotions, right? We have to go through the anger. We have to go through the acceptance. We have to go through the fact that I'm going to be sad about that. 
but on the other side of it is peace and calm. And I can tell you from my own experiences working with people that have been in these relationships, if they go through that, they do find a level of peace and calmness on the other side of this. But remember, I mean, recovery is a process. And so it does take time. And I understand that, you know, these are concepts that, um, that might, you know, might have to listen to the podcast over again to kind of get the idea of it. Uh, but everything that we talk about, whether it's the last podcast uh, about anger or this one, um, I want everybody to understand that th- these things take practice. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm going to listen to it one time and I can do it. You know, you have to kind of think about it. You have to decide I'm going to practice these skills. And the more that you practice them, obviously, the better you get and the more recovery you're actually going to experience. Mm, yeah, it requires commitment for sure and like consistency. So, okay, so this third one was like practice radical acceptance. How does that look in practice? Is it like journaling exercises? Is it like somehow you just sit on your chair and like, I'm now trying to radically accept this? Or like, how do you tell your clients like, okay, do this once a week or do this X amounts of time a week? And what is like, what is it exactly in practice? How to do this? Well, it can be any of those things. So obviously journaling or, you know, uh, talking as sometimes people talk out in their phone, you know, they go through their thoughts and record it on a phone or whatever you want to do is certainly helpful because then you can go back to it later and read it or, or, you know, listen to it or whatever. But it does have a lot to do mainly with self-talk, with what is it, what is the dialogue that's going on in your head? And this goes back to what we were talking about, about embracing the anger, which means rather than being out or focused at what the narcissist is doing or not doing or whatever, I'm going to focus myself, I'm going to focus inward and say, okay, when I'm interacting, let's say you have no choice, you have to live with a narcissist. And you are having to go through all of those crazy making situations with this narcissistic person day to day. Um, So what you would do in those circumstances with radical acceptance is maybe you would spend a little time before you go interact with this person and give yourself a little pep talk about I'm going to I'm going to change my expectations about what this person is going to do or not do, because that's one of the things that happens in relationships with narcissists is, uh, well, maybe this person won't act this way today. Because as we know, you know, going through the cycle of the relationships with the narcissist, um, they go through a cycle of being kind of nice for a while, or they're reasonable or whatever. And so we can get sucked into that and say, oh my gosh, they changed today. Maybe everything's going to be great. So radical acceptance means sitting in your uh, self, sitting in your head or writing it out or however you want to do it and saying, okay, let me check my expectations about this interaction that I'm about to go into. This person is who he is or is who she is. The situation is who, it doesn't matter if they're, if they're being nice today, they're going to shift into devaluing and discarding and all that kind of stuff eventually. Um, So I've got to go into it realistically with my expectations being realistic. And that that's how you practice it. So obviously you're not doing that 24 seven. So you would say, you know, whenever I'm going to go into an interaction with the narcissist, whether it could be I'm in the house with them, it could be, I'm going to get a, um, 
text message from them or they've left me a voicemail or they're sending me an email. I'm going to sit in my head and say, okay, let me think about this realistically. One, I don't need to respond to it right away because narcissists want you to react right away. I'm going to sit and think about it. I'm going to give myself, I usually say 24 hours before you respond, unless it's an emergency um, and think about how you want to respond. That gives you the opportunity to think about, okay, <clears throat> this per although this person is saying all these nice things, they're still a narcissist. It is what it is versus like, well, they said they love me and they said, Hey, come on back. You know, I want you to come back. I didn't want you to leave last night. Da, 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 da. Um, they, that's all a ploy, all that kind of stuff. So I don't need to respond. I need to spend some time sitting in what I'm actually dealing with here and accepting it for what it is versus living in that sort of delusional fantasy place of maybe they've changed because that's not reality, right? The opposite of reality is delusion. And narcissists want you to stay in the delusion. We have to learn how to stay in reality if we want to recover. And mm. reality is I'm accepting this person is who they are. Yeah, makes sense. So yeah, you focused heavily on this self-talk piece. How how would this self-talk look in a uh, situation if there is a person who is no longer in any contact with the narcissist, but still gets caught up in angry feelings towards the narcissist. For example, let's say there's been a 20 year marriage and then mm -hmm. now they either the narcissist left them or they left the narcissist. There might be a lot mm -hmm. of anger, like all the time loss, all the resources spent, all the like, I tried so hard in the relationship and it was never enough as we know. So, and, but in this situation, there is, there isn't ever, let's say it's, it's that type of situation that there isn't ever going to be a situation where this person is going into interaction with them. So how would yeah. this self-talk piece look like in this type of situation? So in that, in the situation, and that's very common uh, with lots of people who've left the relationship. So what that's called is rumination. When we're going over all of the things that have happened and all the things that we didn't get and all of that stuff, that's considered to be rumination. And essentially it's, we're living in the past. Okay. So radical acceptance is not about, it's not a practice of living in the past. Radical acceptance is a, is a, um, a process of living in the present. So I accept that all of those things happen. I accept that it wasn't, I didn't get my needs met. I didn't get money from the divorce. I lost partial custody of my kids. It's not about, uh, what, radical acceptance is not about making that stuff okay. It's not about compassion. It's not about any of that stuff. It's not, you're not doing anything. You're not saying, oh, everything that narcissist did was okay now. It's not that, right? It's allowing us to move forward in our life by accepting what has happened. So in practice, what this looks like is if you have thoughts that come up like, oh, if only I'd had, you know, this, that, or the other from this person, then I wouldn't be in this situation anymore. So when I catch myself saying, all right, I cannot change it. It is what it is. I have to accept that this is the reality of the situation. It removes us from the past and puts us in the present. 
Okay. And so it, it is one of those things where you have to uh, pay attention to and identify when you're starting to go down that road. And, you know, that, again, that's a practice exercise because a lot of times we'll find ourselves in the middle of rumination and then be like, oh, no, I can't get off the roller coaster. Um, in which case we have to do our best to say, OK, hold on, hold on. I know that I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to go down that road of what if or I'm pissed that or they shouldn't have been able to get away with any of that. All of that is true, but it's not helpful to you as you move forward in your life. So practicing it means, okay, yes, I accept that that's all that that is. Um, I cannot do anything to change anything that has already happened. All I can do is accept the reality of where I am right now, which is hopefully in those cases, in a safe place. I'm not being abused by the narcissist. It does not mean that that Life isn't difficult because remember the pain piece. Yes, there's pain. Recovering from this is painful. You might have to recover financially. You might have to recover emotionally, physically, all those things. But I'm not going to let myself suffer over this. Okay, I, I can manage the pain. Suffering is a whole different thing. So if I let myself ruminate, I'm suffering. Instead, I'm going to say, it is what it is. This is something I cannot change. I'm going to focus on the things I can change. And that is the stuff that you're doing right in front of you later today, tomorrow. I'm going to shift my focus onto that. And I will say this is not the easiest thing to do, but it is something that listeners can practice without going to therapists. You know, you can do it in, in the safety of your own home and in your head. But it does take a lot of, of practice over time. Um, so, you know, I encourage people to be patient with themselves when they're practicing some of these things, because it does take some time. I mean, especially for people that have been in a relationship for 20 something years with someone, there's a lot of this sort of rumination going on. Um, but again, I want people to pay attention to the issue of or the concept of pain versus suffering. And we have control over whether we suffer. We don't have control over whether there's pain in life. Suffering, yes, we can control. Pain, no. Mm, yeah, thank you. And so would you say that the reason this number three strategy, so practice regular acceptance works because it really does get us out of that stuck place, out of that suffering mode and helps us to maybe and probably through pain but then move forward or how would you put it like why this works so well when we are trying to overcome the anger towards the narcissist well because it allows you one to take more control over what feels like uncontrollable anger right so we're we're managing our own emotions in that regard whereas it, you know having been in a relationship with a narcissist you might feel like you don't have any control over any of your emotions. And by the way, you're being told that by the narcissist, right? Like you don't have control over anything, blah, blah, blah. So um, when we look at, if I practice this radical acceptance and I try it for a day or whatever, and I actually feel a little bit better, then I start looking at my, hey, I have some kind of control over the direction that my life is gonna go in moving forward. Because that's not a feeling that you have in, in a relationship with a narcissist. You don't feel like you have control over your life. 
you feel like the narcissist controls all of that stuff. So when you're coming out of that relationship or starting to put boundaries up or whatever, we're shifting our belief in ourselves and recognizing that, okay, I, I can manage life. I am good at this. I can figure this out. I'm learning what my identity is or, or rediscovering what my identity is. I've got some control. And if that's the case, then I'm going to, I'm going to let go of some of that anger and I'm not actively letting go. I'm deciding I'm not going to be angry anymore. It's I'm going to find that I am a little less angry, a little less uh, in that obsessive thought kind of roller coaster that rumination is. And I'm able to, as time goes on, because again, this is a process, um, spend a little less time over there and a little more time in this focus on what am I going to do to make myself happy? I'm responsible for my emotions. You know, I can, I can actually meet a lot of my own needs if I do certain things. One of which is staying out of that past ruminating torture place that a lot of people end up sitting in. Hey, I hope you are enjoying this episode right now. If you didn't know this already, our mission here at Unfiltered is to help people who have experienced narcissistic abuse understand the abuse they have experienced, support them through their healing journey, and to help them develop healthy relationships. We want to help as many people as possible, but the only way we can reach everyone is if you choose to share this episode. So if you have been getting value from our content, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with others. You could do this by sharing it with your online support groups, sending it to someone dealing with a narcissist, or even leaving a review. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the episode. When we are trying to overcome the anger that we might have towards the, towards the narcissist, flying monkeys or enablers, you have now shared three strategies. And the number one was embrace the fact that you have anger. Second one, second one was let go of the identity that you are the uh, wronged one or the victim. And the third one was practice radical acceptance. So what is the fourth one? Fourth one is um, staying away from all or nothing thinking, okay, or black and white thinking. Uh, this is a faulty thinking error. Um, it's not an unusual thing for people who are in relationships with narcissists to have, mainly because the narcissist thinks like that, right? It's all good or all bad. You're a horrible wife or mother or parent or whatever, or you're the best, depending on what it is they need at that time. So when we come out of the relationship, many, many times what we might say to ourselves is, oh, my life is ruined. I screwed up my whole life. I'll never find anybody else. I'm ruined. You know, everything is terrible. Um, and that's that's black and white thinking. Obviously, if you're in a relationship with someone who's narcissistic, there are a lot of bad things that go along with that. You know, there are things you have to overcome. There's, there's uh, obstacles that you're going to have to deal with, obviously emotions and all that kind of stuff, but your life is not all this or all that. And so when I talk to people about all or nothing thinking, because this is obviously not an uncommon thing to have in general, um, I want to encourage people to think about things moderately. And that means asking yourself if you're thinking moderately about something, because most of life is gray. It is not black and it's not white. 
So if we're thinking moderately, we're thinking in the gray, right? So if somebody's coming out of a relationship with a narcissist um, and they have anger uh, towards that narcissist, they're probably thinking about things in a black and white way. Like he, she, whoever ruined my life. Well, no, they didn't ruin your life because you have control over what happens from now until the end of your life. You can make choices, change things, whatever it is. Um, so the person may have been an obstacle for you and they may have been abusive and they may have done really terrible things during that period of time. But everything you do moving forward is going to be up to you. And so there's not, that's gray, right? That's not, oh, my life is ruined. I'll never be able to do anything ever again. Um, now, it's that getting out of that mindset does require that you have that radical acceptance piece, right? I'm accepting that this happened. I'm accepting that the person is narcissistic. They were abusive, all this kind of stuff. Um, so we have to have, you know, practice that piece of this in order to stay away from this all or nothing thinking. And that, by the way, that all or nothing thinking, like I've said before, is very common. I hear that all the time. I'm never going to find another relationship. I don't want to find another relationship because what if I pick another narcissist? Da, 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 da. Um, so uh, the way that you move through that sort of all or nothing thinking is by one, giving yourself some permission to uh, allow yourself to grieve the relationship, allow yourself to feel the feelings that you're having, but paying attention to whether or not you're kind of getting stuck in it as we, as we've been talking about. But all or nothing thinking um, does, you know, it's, I'm going to stay in anger if I'm saying to myself, my whole life is ruined, right? Um, if I decide, okay, well, that part of my life is very difficult and I'm, I'm going to recover as, as long as I need to recover, um, I'm giving myself that permission to look at it in more of a gray area. Like there is a possibility that as I move forward in my life, I'll find happiness again, or I'll find peace, or I'll find calmness. So we want to let go of the all or nothing thinking, pay attention to whether you have it, and then try to let go of it. That just means asking yourself, am I thinking moderately? Am I thinking in the gray? And if you don't know if you're thinking in the gray, if you need help, then that goes back to asking a trusted person that, you, you know, here's my thought process. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like I'm I'm stuck in black and white or does that sound moderate? If you're, if you're unsure about that. Mm, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So it makes sense. So stay away from black and white thinking and in practice, how you do actually do this is, well, first of all, you have to be, uh, be aware enough that whenever you, you have to catch yourself like, okay, now this is black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking. And then you said that ask yourself a question, am I thinking moderately? And then if you're not try to think moderately, and if you're not sure if you, this is moderately thinking, then, you know, uh, get support and, you know, ask, ask someone else. Uh, mm -hmm. and so do you think, uh, again, same question, why this works so well when we are trying to overcome the anger? Well, because anger is associated with thinking in extremes, right? Like I was done wrong. I was, my life is now ruined. I'll never find happiness again. 
um, a lot of the thought processes in anger that is uh, problematic, is prolonged anger that turns into resentment is associated with that sort of all or nothing thinking. And so if I can identify whether or not I'm thinking all or nothing um, and that I'm thinking more moderately, anger does dissipate or it doesn't end up getting too resentment. And that's the goal. Like anger initially, like we talked about, anger is a normal emotion. You're going to have anger when you come out of a relationship where somebody was abusive to you. We don't want it to turn into resentment because that only turn that only hurts you. It doesn't hurt the person that hurt you. Um, and so in order to avoid that, we have to pay attention to whether or not I'm thinking in the extremes. Okay. And remember, in relationships with narcissistic people, everything is extreme right? There is no moderation. So it's not, if you've been in a relationship for 20 years with a narcissist or your mother's a narcissist, your whole life has been in the extremes. So it may be difficult even to identify, do I think in the extremes? Is that even a, like, I don't even know. I don't know any different. In other words, that's why the piece of support and having somebody that you can go to that you trust that would be able to say, yeah, you know what? You do think in the extremes, all the time. So that that line of thinking that you currently have probably could be a little bit more moderate. So let's kind of talk that through and see what that might look like. And so they might give you suggestions or you can read about, you know, you can certainly look up things online about uh, what's the opposite of all or nothing thinking and, you know, how can I practice some of that stuff. But that is going to dissipate the anger if you can learn how to think more moderately, right? Like, for example, uh, not narcissist or related, but uh, a common thing might be, okay, I failed a test in co- in high school, so I'm never going to get into college. That's an all or nothing thought, right? I failed a test in a class means I might need to work harder in that particular class so that I can get a better grade, but it has nothing to do with whether I'm going to get in coll- into college or not. So a more moderate way of thinking is, oh, hold on a second. Let me see about, let me look at this realistically. Am I actually not going to get into college if I didn't do well on a test in high school? No. If I fail all my classes, I won't get into college. But if I work on doing a little bit better in that class, then I'm going to improve my grade, which then ends up allowing me to have a better chance of college. But it's not one is causing this extreme thing. And so when I am able to kind of go back and look at that more realistically, my anger dissipates or my anxiety dissipates and it's more manageable. Yeah, thank you. That was clear, clear explanation. So when we are trying to overcome the anger toward narcissists, flying monkeys or enablers, you have shared now four strategies. So the first one was embrace the fact that you have anger. Second one was let go of the identity that you are the wronged one or or a victim. Third one was practice radical acceptance. Now, uh, the fourth one was stay away from black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking. So what is the final piece? So the final piece is avoid winner or loser distinctions. Okay, so in the relationship with a narcissistic person, it's very easy to go into the situation or to come out of the situation thinking, well, he or she won and I'm the loser. Okay. This is not a competition. Being in a relationship with a narcissistic person, although it may feel like it's a competition a lot of times, if you get out of the relationship, 
he or she has not won. Nobody wins, right? If you get out of the relationship with a narcissist or start to protect yourself in a relationship with a narcissist, then you're learning how to protect yourself, which is a key element in being a functional adult, right? When we're in relationships with narcissistic people, the message is don't you dare protect yourself because you're selfish and horrible and terrible and all that stuff. So of course, we don't ever think about doing that. We have no idea what that looks like. So we automatically go into the headspace of, okay, well, if, if I leave the situation, then he won or she won. No, nobody wins in this. Nobody loses in this. You're protecting yourself. That's going to be a gain for a better life for you. This person over here, the narcissistic person, it doesn't matter if they perceive themselves as winning or not winning or whatever. It's irrelevant. Your dealing with your anger towards this person means you cannot look at it like a win lose situation because that's all the that's the game playing stuff that goes on in these relationships, right? The power play uh, that is going to be uh, very difficult to let go of the anger if you if you stay in that headspace. Right. Because this is not relationships are not a competition. Right. This is nobody's winning and nobody's losing. OK, it's it's simply a relationship that didn't work out for you for whatever reason, abusive, um, hostile, toxic, whatever you want to call it. So getting out of the relationship is a protective component. That's all it is so that you can move forward in your life and have the things that you want in your life, peace, calmness, contentment, all of that sort of thing. So in order to reduce the anger, the feeling of anger, we have to ask ourselves, am I looking at this like he won, he got this, she got this, you know, I'm the one who ends up losing because I don't have the money, I don't have the kids, I don't have security, whatever it is. It's not that. There's no win or lose in this situation. And if we hold on to that, then the anger is going to be difficult to deal with. If we look at it like I learned how to protect myself, I learned how to create safety for myself, then that's going to be a much better place with regard to how you feel about it than feeling like it's a competition and somebody actually won. Nobody nobody wins in this situation. Mm, yeah, thank you. That was very insightful and I think important mindset shift that we all should pay attention to if we are struggling with this anger towards the narcissist, their flying monkeys or enablers. So today you have shared five very helpful strategies that can help us to overcome the anger. So I'm just going to summarize them one more time. So they are fresh on our minds. So the first one was embrace the fact that you have anger. Second one was let go of the identity that you are the wronged one or the victim. Third one was practice radical acceptance. Fourth one was stay away from black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking. And the fifth one you just talked about was avoid winner or winner or lose distinctions or this mindset in general. So thank you so much. Do you now have any kind of final thoughts about either any of these strategies or, or all of these strategies or about the topic of overcoming the anger towards the narcissist in general? Yeah, um, overall, I mean, summing it all up, one of the things that a lot of people really struggle with, and this is what keeps their anger going, is this idea that the person is somehow going to change. And so we we really do have to sit in the fact or learn to sit in the fact 
that the narcissist, the person who is abusing you is not going to change. They're not going to change if you leave them. They're not going to change if you give them everything you've got. They're not going to change if you change, you know, your hairstyle or your clothes or your job or any of that kind of stuff. So in, in order to reduce anger, just generally overall towards the person, uh, we do have to give up that hope that they're going to change. They're not going to change. And this is across the board. And I talk about it all the time with my clients that we do have to give up this idea that somehow everything, it has to do with you, right? Like I'm going to leave and they're going to suddenly become this healthy person. That's not happening. Um, in, and there's a lot, you know, I know there's lots of things, lots of podcasts that have talked about this and certainly you guys have talked about it, but if we understand what truly a narcissist is, um, if we, uh, you know, educate ourselves about what a narcissist actually, you know, appears and looks like and all that kind of stuff, then we're going to better be able to accept the fact that they're not going to change. They are who they are. And the only thing that we can do because we can't change them is to protect ourselves and, and focus on what are the things that I can control and I can control the choices I make. I can control whether I move forward. I can control whether or not I allow this person to harm me moving forward. So that's a key thing. It's very difficult to do, you know, because we work in a, in a world where if you work really hard on yourself, you can change things. Narcissists aren't going to work on themselves and they're not going to change anything. So if we can hold on to that or at least try to, then we can relinquish some of that anger because that's, you know, that's what keeps us kind of in that is like, oh, well, maybe they're going to change, you know, or maybe they're going to be different for the next person. They're not. I hope you enjoyed that episode and maybe you are going to listen to it a couple more times if you are planning on using Ellen's advice, which I hope you do. Before I let you go, I would like to invite you to join our free community. My team and I send out free courses and healing exercises every week. We also host life therapist-led Q&A sessions every month that are 100% free. To join, please click the link in the podcast notes or visit unfiltered.net slash community. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll catch you in the next one.